Okay, the uh, title of my sermon tonight is uh, Perfect in Mind. Uh, you know, the human mind is a, is, is a sponge. Uh, it's, it's, I guess I'll put it in, in a more current terminology. It's like this mega, mega terabyte of open memory that we have. And it's waiting to be filled. And uh, it will be filled with something. Your mind is open. It's always perceiving, always picking up things. And it's like the saying goes, what consumes your thoughts controls your life. And the human mind, uh, in and of itself, is not a bad thing. You know, sometimes we think about, well, you know, you're just, your soul's getting in the way. And I mean, you can get into your soul and be soulish. But at the same time, you know, God gave you a mind. He gave you a soul where your emotions are. And so, it, in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. But what you decide to fill it with determines whether or not it's good, bad, or even reprobate. Uh, Romans in the 12th chapter has some extremely interesting phrasing in it that, uh, that you can easily overlook because uh, it's such a familiar passage to us. But uh, Romans 12.2 speaks to us about not only knowing, but also proving, uh, which I find really interesting, that we can prove what the will of God is. It talks about knowing the will of God, but proving the will of God. And it's like I said, it's so easy to overlook because we, we, we reference this all the time. And so, you know, I'll just rattle it off and not even think about it or even just leave the back part of it off completely. But Romans 12, 2 is, and you don't have to turn there just yet, but, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the will of, what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Ephesians, uh, let me get over here, Ephesians 4, I believe it is. Last week, I, uh, my computer would not print, so I just brought my laptop, and I decided I like that, so I'm going to keep going with that. Um, <laughs> Ephesians 4.23 says this, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which I find very interesting because, yes, there is a difference because we know the difference between body, soul, and spirit because the soul, of course, being where your mind, will, and emotions are, and your spirit being that eternal being that you are, your spirit being the true self who you are, and we're just in this body, this earth suit, you know, to be in this, on this world, be on, be on this planet and, and operate in this realm. But it says in Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I find that very interesting that there the writer did not make a distinction between the two because they're so closely connected. They're very connected. You know, we talk about all the time that, that if we are in a spiritual warfare, which we are, then the battlefield is the soul. And so if that is not renewed, if you are in... Um, in a place where that is not even in line with the Word of God, you're not going to win very many battles because that's where it's all fought. So we know from Romans 12, 2, that the will of God is that which is good, that, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. And we tend to make it so hard because it, it told us back there, it told us in that verse that, that uh, if we transform ourselves by the renewing of our minds, we will prove what the will of God is. And it's hard to accept, it's hard to even think about that, you know, in our human earthly way that we could be perfect. But God says in our mind we can be perfect. We can be perfect in our thought if we choose to bring it into line with the Word of God. It is obtainable. God would never tell you to, to obtain something or try to obtain something that you could never reach. Would he? He's not that kind of God. He's not going to hold the apple in front of you and, and dangle it there and, and try to get you to run after it and never let you obtain it. That's not how our God is. 
the will of God is that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. And it's really interesting in that phrasing is you can prove that. How can you prove that? By renewing your mind, which leads to transformed lives. A renewed mind is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect in thought. Why else would he tell us to have the mind of Christ? Was he perfect in thought? Yeah, he was. He was totally, totally man, totally God. He was tempted just like you and I. He was tempted in every way that a man could be tempted. But he chose not to submit to it. He was perfect. He was perfect indeed. He was perfect in everything he did because he did what he saw his father do. But that's the one place where I believe you can get to, but it starts with the mind. To be perfect in thought. You say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm imperfect in my thought? Do you believe the best about your brother at all times? Do you walk in love even in your thought life? You know, or do you jump to conclusions the first chance you get? Hmm. You might question, how can I be perfect in thought? Sounds like a big plate, a tall order. I also wonder how an infinite and eternal God can live in the, in the confines of an infinite or a finite being like me. You know, I don't have an answer for that. I just know the word's true. It's because he wills it that way. I don't know how all of eternity can be inside of me or you, but it is. Because he said if you ask him into his heart, he will come and he will reside in your heart and he will sit up on the throne of your heart if you'll let him. I don't always get God, but I don't have to get God. It's good to have questions. There's nothing wrong with having questions. I have questions all the time. It's the spirit that you're questioning. Is Are you trying to get God to prove Oh, yeah, prove it. I mean, you ever, has anybody ever done that to you when you're trying to talk to him about something? Well, prove it. You know? That's not much fun because you feel like you've always got an argument that you have to win. But I question things. Not that it's not true. I just like, God, how is that? And there's nothing wrong with that because a questioning heart like that will lead you to truth if you're really after it. You know, I've known a lot of people that, that uh, went searching for truth and they were going down the wrong path looking for, for God in different religions. And I used to get really bent out of shape over that. And then God just got a hold of me one day. It's like they're searching. Before at least they weren't, but now they are. They're searching. And if they're searching for truth, they'll find me because I am truth. So if you got somebody you're praying for and, and you think, man, they're just going down the wrong path, if their heart is right, if they're searching for truth, they'll find God. You can't find truth without finding Him. In renewing our minds, it's so much more than skimming the verses. It goes so much deeper. If we are transformed, we're no longer, we no longer resemble the old self. We look completely different, a total metamorphosis. You know, I know people, and maybe for some of you, I know many of your testimonies, it was a drastic change when you came to know, know the Lord. I had a very good friend growing up, one of the biggest potheads I ever knew. Smoked dope every day and got to the point where that wasn't enough, so he got into cocaine and all that. And um, uh, God just got a hold of him one day. He got, he got in trouble with the law. But you know what? He decided that he was going down the wrong path and it was just instant. When he decided he was going to follow God, it was instant. He laid it all down and never went back. It's not every case. Some people have to really fight to come out of that. 
But he, he, uh, he came through a total metamorphosis. He was not the same person after he prayed the prayer of salvation with my brother in, in our back bedroom. I mean, we were just teenagers when this happened. Um, he walked out of that room a different person instantly. Never went back to drugs. And I mean, cocaine is a very addictive drug. That's a God thing right there that delivered him. But he went through a total metamorphosis. And if we want to be transformed, we've got to get to that place where we don't just read our verse for the day, but we take the time and we really read into the verse mm -hmm. and read what's there. And I used to be the type of like, I got to read so many verses every day, you know, because that's what a good Christian would do. And it got to be, it was just, it was just a contest against myself. And I was losing. But when I sit there and actually read, thinking, there's no hurry. I don't have to get to the next verse. Let's see what's in this verse. Because there's nuggets in every, it's like such total, you know, fertile ground, you know. You know, it's like digging in a mine that is just packed full of jewels and, and precious metals. I mean, there's stuff there. Don't, don't worry about rushing through it, how many books I can read. I mean, I love that program, you know, read the Bible in it within a year. You know, that's, that's all fine and everything. But after you've done that a couple of times, you realize that about all you learned is the, the, the flow of the books, you know, <laughs> what comes what. Because, you know, you're trying to get to the next thing. You know, we need to, we need to actually have the word renew us. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not a race. It's not a contest to see, can I get from Genesis to Revelation by the end of the year? You know, taking the time to know his word. You know, I found it really interesting because I heard this testimony one time of, of this guy who had actually died. He'd fallen off like a three-story building, landed on his head and died and went to heaven. And, of course, he came back because he told the story. But anyway, <laughs> he died and he talked about his time there in heaven. And he said he got up there and he said, I had so many questions. He's like, what's that? You know, what does that mean? Why does that look that way? And Jesus' response to him was, didn't you read my book? Every time he asked a question, didn't you read my book? Because the answer for everything is in there. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I've heard, I think it was Jesse Duplantis who made the comment that you better learn it now because if not, you're going to be in remedial Bible school in heaven. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's not one of those things that's given that when you get to heaven, we all think, oh, we're just going to, you know, we'll have the total mind of Christ. We'll know everything. I don't think it's necessarily going to work that way. I think he expects us to put forth some effort into some stuff here. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why he said, be renewed. You know, let the word renew your mind. Be transformed. Meditation is the catalyst. And it's kind of funny because when I first started hearing meditation taught in church, my walls went up. I'm thinking, meditation, that sounds kind of like yoga, you know, Middle Eastern stuff, you know, cult, heresy, you know, what's going on here? But, you know, it's kind of funny. It, you know, I look at it now and I'm just like, silly Pharisee. I mean, because that's, that's all it was. I was just being a Pharisee. Because you know what? Satan has no original idea. You know, he's never had an original thought, not once. He takes everything that God intended for us and he perverts it. And the reason he does is he wants to model his kingdom after God in his own perverted way. Because from the beginning, that's all he's ever wanted is he wanted to be God. So he tries to get in there and instill that and turn true believers who meditation was meant for, it wants you to turn it wants you to turn against it. And the very reason is because he knows that when you start meditating on the word, you're going to be transformed, your mind's going to be renewed. And if he can keep you from getting to that point, then he's won. 
You know, his, his very basic strategy is ignorance. He doesn't want you to know, and once you do know, he wants to scare you out of it. He doesn't change. His tactics are always the same. He's never had an original thought. If we go all the way back to Genesis 24, very first book of the Bible, very early in, in the whole history of all this stuff, talks about Isaac, son of Abraham, and how he was going through a time when he was desperately searching for a wife. And it says, Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. Meditation is God's idea. And those that were closest to him understood meditation. Because you look at Abraham, which he probably learned meditating from his father, Isaac, learned it from Abraham. Um, very few people had the relationship with God that Abraham had. You know, few of them had. Moses had it. Uh, Enoch certainly had it. But all these people understood meditating. It was not a foreign idea to them. They knew it was a God idea. Turn to 1 Timothy 4. Tonight, I really want us to, the direction that we're going in, of course, is we're talking about meditating. But in my experiences, what I've learned when I've been in this uh, place of meditation, that's where God really connects with us because it's getting down to that very level, spirit and soul, where you're so connected with Him and there's just a, such a oneness, if that's an actual word. I'm not sure if it is. But there's there's actual that oneness there when uh, when you put yourself in that situation because... As we always say, that book laying in your laps, that, that's the living Word of God, correct? Mm -hmm. that, that book right there speaks to this day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the very blood of Jesus. You know, the blood of Jesus, even though He shed that blood 2,000 years ago, that blood has never dried up. It's never coagulated and gotten hard. It's fresh. It's still fresh. It speaks. That Word speaks to us to this day. And that's why we need to start meditating on it because it's like that vibrating sensation that Trudy's feeling in her hands right now. It's like that word becomes vibrant in our, in our souls and it just starts rumbling around in there. And, you know, it's just, it's just like it vibrates on a frequency in our spirit, in our soul. And so that, we need to start looking at it that way. When you start realizing that this is a live word that is speaking to me right now, your meditation on it will become easier. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, picking up kind of halfway into it, it says, uh, Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading and exhortation and doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands. Skipping down a little further, but rather meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that your progress be evident to all. I think that's very interesting. Do you guys meditate on your prophetic words that you get? You know, part of that is, that's why we always say write them out. Meditate on them. Because you'll find oftentimes that if you haven't meditated on it and then it comes to pass, sometimes you didn't even re realize it came to pass because you had it preconceived that, oh, it means this. I've done that before. Then I've gone back and looked at them and was like, no, it didn't mean that. Because I began to meditate on it, it's like, of course, it's exactly as it should have been. But, you know, you can miss it. You can miss it. And I think it's so interesting. Another point there. Who, do you, who is he instructing Timothy to be an example to? The believers. 
In all this, he was saying, conduct yourself in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attention to reading and exhortation and doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given by prophecy by the laying on of hands, but rather meditate on these things. Meditate on all these things and give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. I mean, have you ever known anybody that, have you ever seen them like you knew when they were with God? I mean, they just came out and there was just a radiance about them. You know, it talks about in the word about Moses. They'd say, put a veil over your face. You know, we, we, can't, even, we can't even see that. You know, the glory is so strong. We don't, we, and they were still scared of God, so they didn't want to be anywhere around God. So he'd spent so much time with them that he was just radiant with it. You know, if, if you are spending that time, if you're meditating on all these things, then your progress will be evident to all. Philippians 4.8 This is not hard. Sometimes we make it out to be harder than it is. And it's really not. The devil would love for you to think that this is harder than it really is. But it says there in uh, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Those are pretty simple rules, I think. That's what we meditate on. You think, well, what am I supposed to meditate on? Yeah, I meditate on the Word, but what else? What do I set my thought life on every day? Right here. Whatever thing is true. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just and pure, lovely, good report of virtue, things of virtue. Anything that's praiseworthy. You know, I love this group because... It's not hard to get a praise report out of somebody because I can tell you're thinking about things. You're meditating on things that are praiseworthy throughout the week. And it's like I can tell you can't wait to get to church so you can actually share that with someone. Mm -hmm. These are the things that we meditate on. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in time and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Because the times that we live in, we need peace. You know, we do. We all need peace. We may not all be overseas fighting a war, you know, a physical war, but as as already has come out prophetically spoken, I believe that you know the men, especially right now in this group, we need peace because we're fighting various battles right now. And the thing is, is yeah, we need to know who our enemy is, but more than that, we need to know who our God is. And it doesn't matter what you're facing; it does not matter because God's already told you. If you set your affection on me, it's yours. The battle is yours. The victory is yours. Let's get this into our souls, really, our hearts, even. Um, Jen, read Psalm 119.15 for us. Skip, would you read 119.27 when she's done? One nineteen fifteen, yes. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Mm -hmm. Is that in everybody's Bible? I'll meditate on your precepts 
And depending on your translation, mine says contemplate your ways. Consider your ways. These are the things that, that the early fathers, you know, in the faith, back thousands of years ago, they already had a, an understanding. It was normal everyday life for them. Is they would sit and meditate. And back then they would meditate even on the law because that's all they had. But that was the covenant they were in. They meditated on their covenant with God. You know, we need to meditate on our covenant because we have a better covenant. You know, just as I was really feeling the impression of the Lord is, we're moving past that place of mercy but to grace. Because, you know, mercy is getting what you deserve. Grace is going past not only not getting what you deserve but be given, your, given the, the lion's share, so to speak, you know. That's what grace is. You know, the prodigal son is the perfect example of that. He did not, he did not get what he deserved, but yet he got, he came back, and father gave him, you know, everything that was due to the son that a father could give back then. Placed the ring on his finger, you know, killed the fatted cow, you know, eating good. So, you know, God is bringing us past that place if we meditate on His word, if we meditate on our covenant with Him. Go ahead and read one nineteen twenty seven. Skip. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some translations say, I meditate on your wonderful works. You ever just set and appreciated nature? Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever start bugging out, just go outside. Mm-hmm. We were talking We were talking to somebody. I think we were talking to Donna a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about, you know, we sit in front of our computers all day long, and we're just drained. She's like, go outside. That's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Take your shoes off and go outside. You know, last night we went down to the beach. We took our took our shoes off. Well, I didn't, but Brendan and Michaela took their shoes off and walked through the sand. You know, I didn't want to go out there because it was cold. But <laughs> but just getting outside was good. You know, breathing in the the ocean air and everything. It it recharges you. You know, we need to meditate on His wonderful works, on the works of His hands. Psalm one nineteen one forty eight says, "My eyes are awake through the night watches." that I may meditate on your word. And I know intercessors understand that. Intercessors understand what it means to be on a night watch. That means praying through the night because God wants to show you something. He wants you to sit and watch. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're sitting there praying the entire night. It means you're sitting, listening, and watching. That's what a watchman does. And what they would do is they would they would wake, stay awake through the night and they would meditate on the word. That means just being deep in thought, lost in thought on the word. We have such a backwards way of thinking in the in the West here. All right, I want everybody to put your Bibles to the side. Jen, would you go over there and hit the play button? I want us all to be, or to get ourselves into a meditative state. Now, through the world, through the world, through Hollywood, we've got this warped sense of what it means to meditate. And this is how you tell the difference between godly meditation and ungodly meditation. Ungodly meditation tells you to empty your mind of all thoughts. It wants you to become nothing. Godly meditation is to fill your thoughts with His Word. That's the difference. See, like I said, Satan has no original idea. He just takes what's already there and he perverts it. He goes the opposite way with it. To meditate on him is to fill your thoughts completely and totally of him. 
And meditation is a great stress reducer. And we need to be reduced in stress. So I want everybody, I want you to just get quiet. I want you to close your eyes. We have the music playing. If you could turn it up a little bit, Jen. This is uh, very anointed music because it's by all Christian musicians and it's for the express purpose of meditating. And another way of saying it is I just want you to get lost in thought. And when you do that, you'll find your spirit is in that quieted place and that's when you start getting whisked away in the spirit. And that's when God will really start speaking some deep things to you. And I would encourage everyone as much as you can Practice meditation because it will replenish you. You know, take the nature walks. You know, go barefoot, get your feet in the dirt. Because, you know, it's kind of interesting because when you think of it, that's where we came from. You know, we were formed from the dust of the earth. When we do that, I think we really connect. And it's not a weird thing. When you think about it, it's God. It makes total sense. We've just, it's just another thing that we've allowed the enemy to steal from us because it's ours. And there's power in it. There's recharging in it. You know, we do this quite often where we say, meditate, where's Jesus in the room? Think about it, where do you see him standing? I want you to go past that. I want you to go to that place where you're seeing, what's Jesus want to say to me? What's he, what does he want to show me? And I want you to connect with him on that deep level. Father, we look to you and we want to see you in all your glory. We put the thoughts and cares of everything that we've been dealing with for the past week, we put it to the side. It means nothing right now. And we focus on you. We focus on your word. Be glorified in our minds, Lord. Be glorified in our eyes. Lord, your word talks about having the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. And right now, I pray that the eyes of all these here, of their understanding, would be enlightened. Father, even in a sense where it's like, sanctify our vision, our inner seeing, because we can't even do this without you. And we meditate upon your word as we look to you. I will extol you, my God, my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty.
and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. These are some of the things that the psalmist said about our God, and I want you to meditate on them. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him he will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. These things we choose to meditate upon. Father, we meditate on your glorious splendor and your majesty.